You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. We looked at the biggest producers of plastic globally. Uh, the headline statistic there is that 20 of the global producers are responsible for more than half of the virgin polymer that's produced globally. Uh, but we also looked at the banks that are financing those uh, chemical companies and the producers of plastic. And we looked at the investment houses that are deriving a benefit from the production of that plastic. Uh, and some of those investment houses, for example, have been singing about their climate credentials for a very long period of time, but they've said nothing at all about their investments in plastic and plastic waste. That's Tony Werby, CEO of Mindaroo Foundation, an Australia-based philanthropic organization. He was speaking at the recent World Ocean Summit hosted by The Economist. You're listening to Teka Teka, and I'm Izili. In this episode, we take a closer look at the companies behind the global plastic waste and what it takes to fight this plastic pollution. Take a second to digest that statistic Tony just shared. Only 20 companies globally are the source of 55% of the world's single-use plastic waste. That's not all. According to a study in May done by Mindaru Foundation and its partners, the top 100 companies account for more than 90% of single-use plastic. Who do you think is at the top of the list? You might be surprised to find it's not one of those companies that make shampoo in sachets. ExxonMobil is the biggest single-use plastic waste polluter in the world, according to analysis done by Mindaru and its partners. In fact, Oil and gas giants as well as chemical firms dominate the list. That's because they are the ones producing the polymers that become throwaway items, from plastic bags to bottles. Other names in the top five are the US-based Dow, China's Sinopec, Thailand's Indorama Ventures, and Saudi Aramco. Tony's close to the problem in more ways than one. The same study found that Australia generated the most single-use plastic waste per capita in 2019. And he says a big part of the problem is the lack of transparency on the ground in many countries. High-level studies are good, but to come up with solutions, you need real, granular, honest data. You know, the lack of transparency is getting in the way of us providing a solution. We've got the big numbers. You know, we know how much plastics produced globally. We know roughly how much of that is is not recycled or, you know, how much of it is badly managed. 
But when you get down to a country level, to a municipal level, to actually tracking waste that might be produced by, you know, an industry group or what have you, we quickly lack the granularity that we need in data to be able to put the right policies in place. If you did insist on that kind of transparency, then it gives policymakers what they need to identify the appropriate interventions. You've probably seen those horrific pictures of turtles getting caught up in beer rings and choking. But a more insidious danger is microplastics. Studies have shown that these tiny, tiny bits of broken down plastic, which often end up in the oceans, are eventually consumed by humans and animals, both on land and in water. We hear less about the chemicals that are leaching out of those particles of plastic and are entering into our bloodstream. And of course, there's lots of different vectors by which those particles and those chemicals do get into our, uh, into our human systems. And one of them is through the food chain and, of course, through the supply of seafood because of the plastic problem in the ocean. So our two pieces of work on ending plastic waste and our plastics in human health really do converge at our marine environment. Eleven of the companies on the top 20 polluters list are in Asia, and their plastic production is funded by big banks like Barclays, HSBC, Bank of America, and Citigroup. One solution is to compel companies and their financiers to be more transparent on the use and disposal of plastic in their supply chain. At the same time, scientists say it can't be a top-down approach. They can't just go telling the companies what to do. We also need to be really mindful to not come in to a different community or country and to look as an outsider to say one should do this or one should do that, but to really work with people and communities to make sure that solutions are likely to be successful and effective. Because if we don't have that social license, if people aren't on board and governments aren't on board, the best idea or solution can really not get, get off the ground. That was Brita Denise Hardesty, a senior principal research scientist of Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. If we measure it, we can manage it. The transportation information, understanding where is the waste being lost? Is it falling off the back of the truck? Is it in the manufacturing plant? Is it um, being bundled from the manufacturing plant and going straight from there? Looking at how do people move there? Is it through cars? Is it on foot? Is it by bicycles? So that we can look at improvements in design, flexible, adaptive technology and structures to be able to manage to recover our waste. There's hope yet. Winnie Lau, Senior Manager with the Pew Charitable Trust's Preventing Ocean Plastics Project, says modern technology can help drastically reduce plastic waste. With the technologies and the solutions and the know-how we have today, there is an opportunity for us to cut the plastic pollution um, that would be going into the ocean by 2040 by 80%. It's going to be really important that we start implementing these solutions now. What we found is that there is no time to wait. Um, even a five-year delay will add 300 million metric tons of plastic into the ocean. But it's going to take huge collective effort and a lot of money. We would need to invest about 50 to 100 billion U.S. dollars in innovation to really develop the new sustainable materials, new refill and reuse infrastructure, 
low greenhouse gas recycling technologies. So it's a lot of money, but if these kinds of investments are not made, the private sector actually stand to lose even more um, if the governments start to shift the waste management costs onto them. And that could be to the tunes of hundreds of billions of dollars over the next 20 years. Some countries might be able to bear it and some may not be able to. And in those instances, we may need, um, you know, development banks or the private sector to step in to help because I don't think there's a one size fits all across, you know, all of the various situations and countries out there. Ultimately, Tony says the answer can just be to hold beach cleanups with some photo ops here and there. You know, we can clean up beaches uh, for forever, basically, but if we don't turn off the tap on new plastic that's being produced and stop it getting into the environment, uh, then we're going to be cleaning up beaches for the rest of our days. Again, I'm Izzeli. This episode was edited by Andre Nicolas Volante. Follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maraming salamat po. Music